was looking last week at a, at a message that I entitled Right Positioning, and I'm going to talk again on that this evening. Um, but we have been speaking really on a message for, uh, for youngs on um, what I've entitled Suffering and the Glory. And, um, you know, anytime we face suffering in life, there's glory that follows. And in, in Second Peter, or First Peter, um, it's, it, say, it says there, there was the glory that followed, talking about Jesus. The, the Old Testament prophets couldn't understand his suffering. Because when they looked at the, 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 the Old Testament, what they, they seen suffering and glory, but they couldn't reconcile the two. But we can reconcile the two because Jesus went to the cross. But I love the way it's phrased there, the glory that follows. And um, we should be of that mindset as well, because any time we face suffering or things that happen in our life, suffering doesn't come from God. It's a, it's a, a, a sad that religion teaches that, that suffering comes from God. Suffering doesn't. But God will get involved in it with you, and he'll turn it around for good. So the faith comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Um, not God. God's not the faith. God's the giver. He's not the taker. So anything that's being taken from our lives, that's not from God. Satan takes. He's a taker, but God's a giver. And um, he came to give us life and give us life more abundantly. But what we've what been looking at is that there's always glory that follows. And really we've been down looking at this aspect of the glory um, in, in, in this series that we've been, we've been doing. But glory really, if you want to know what glory is, glory is what God can do what nobody else can and that's really God's glory. Um, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. They, they, they show forth his handiwork. And when you, see, um, when you see God in display, we call that glory. When God does what only God can do, that's his glory. There's nobody else can do it. There's nobody else can touch his glory. And we put it this way, it's a signature. Um, but we, we've looked at several things with us here. But really what we got down to was man's glory, what the glory is on man. See, everything God made, he put glory in it. Um, we said that the, the glory of a fish is that it can swim. That's what sets it apart. It's different. The glory of a bird is that it can fly. And the glory of man we've been looking at is that man was designed to rule and reign. That was God's desire for man to have dominion. Man's glory is to reign. And when man is operating at his potential, it gives glory to the designer. It gives glory to the one who, who made him. Um, but you know what? If you take a fish and take it out of water, it can't glory. And if you take a bird and put it in a cage, it can't glory. But you know what? If you take man and put him under sin, he can't glory either. And that's what happened. Man fell short of God's glory. But through Jesus you know what? He brought many sons back to glory. What he's doing is he's bringing many sons back to where we're meant to be. And really what we, we ended up looking at was the only way for us really to glory now as believers, to rule and reign as believers now, is through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's only through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, not your righteousness, not my righteousness, his righteousness. That's the only way we can reign in life. We can't reign through our righteousness. And we looked at our righteousness. Our righteousness is what we do. But it's never good enough. Amen. We can never be good enough. You only rule and reign not through your righteousness, but through his. It's through his righteousness that we rule and reign in life. And then I was looking in Romans 5 as well. that um, The Bible says that grace reigns through righteousness. 
If you want to have God's unmerited favor on your life, you have to have a revelation of his righteousness. You're not righteous because of what you did. You're righteous because of what he did. Amen? Just like you weren't a sinner because of what you did. It was Adam's sin that made us all sinners, not our actions. His sin made us all sinners. So we weren't sinners because of our actions. Nothing to do with our works. It has nothing to do with behavior. It's a condition that you're born into. Well, righteousness as well has nothing to do with your behavior. Amen? That's where we find it hard. So we think God will move in our life because of our behavior. God doesn't move in your life because of your behavior. God moves in your life when you realize that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It wasn't your righteousness. It's not your behavior. Your behavior can't make you righteous. Or your lack of it can't make you unrighteous. You're righteous because you were born righteous through the new birth. And it's that revelation, it's standing in that revelation that allows us to rule and reign in life. You can't rule and reign in life through your obedience or through your goodness or any of those kind of things or through behavior. You rule and reign in life through standing in who you are in Christ. That's the only way we can rule and reign in life. It's through him. It's not through us. Amen. So um, that's just, uh, that's just w- what we've been talking about to get us to where we are at the minute. And I was talking about right positioning last week. We ended up talking last week about, you know, that's a, that's a picture of a train station. Has you know, anyone ever went to a, a train station and got, on, got on the wrong train? Or been at the wrong platform? You know, it's, you know you're, you're there. The trains are moving all the time, but maybe not positioned right. And, you know, as, as believers, we're meant to be positioned right because I tell you, God's always abounding towards us. Always. He's always coming at us in his goodness. Always moving towards us. But we can just be at the wrong stop. And we looked last week about, you know what, pride is, is a wrong stop. But humility is a right stop. Because it's right posi- when, you're, when, you're, when you're in humility, you're positioned right. Because you're acknowledging you can't, but he can. Humility is not a weak place. It's a dependent place. It's a place where you live dependent on Christ, on his ability. So we, we looked at that. We looked at like unforgiveness as the wrong stop. All of those kind of things are the wrong place to be at. But you know what? The best place to be is, is, to, is to be under the grace of God and under the new covenant. That's really what we brought it down to last week. And I really what I'm trying to show here and what I want to show tonight is, is that gra- the grace of God upon your life causes you to excel. Amen? It's only through grace. You know, we talk about glory and And I don't care what comes against us in life. No matter what comes against us in life, you just stay correctly positioned. Because glory's following. Amen? Glory's following. All you need to do is just get on that train. And God will take you to where you're meant to be. And your life will bring glory to him because people will see God's signature in your life. And sometimes when you're in the the hardest places in life, that's where God God shows up and where people can see God on your life the most. Because to realize you couldn't, that had to be God. And we should have experiences in our life where we know it wasn't us. Amen? It wasn't our goodness. It wasn't our effort. It had to be Him. And everybody around you starts to see it's actually Him. It's His hand upon your life. And that's where glory is seen. Amen? So that makes sense where we're at this evening. Um, but praise God. Let, let me just, I want to just call out a couple of things here just before I, I really get into what I'm going to share on this evening. But I, lo- I looked at the Old Covenant and the New Covenant last week. 
And I said a couple of things about the Old Covenant. I'm not going to turn over here, but this was out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it, there's a contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant that is brought out there. But I said, a couple of things I said about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant was this. So you know, obviously you have the Old Covenant and you have the New Covenant. And then I said there, the, the Old Covenant was, was through Moses. But grace and truth in John chapter 1 lets us know came through Jesus Christ. So you've got Moses on one side and you've got Jesus on the other. You've got the old covenant over here and you've got Jesus over here. And I always say here, you can embrace Moses or you can embrace Jesus. You can hug Moses or you can embrace Jesus and let Jesus change your life. Um, over here in the Old Testament, you have what you call the law, and you have what you call the New Testament grace. Um, over here, when the, law, when the law was given, Moses asked God to show me your glory. And the Bible says that God showed Moses his back parts. But the thing about it, showing the back parts was God was always leaving. He passed by and he kept going. So the old covenant, you see the back parts of God. In the new covenant, it lets us know that we can look at Jesus face to face. We can look right into his face. In the Old Testament, it talks about the letter that kills. But in the New Testament, it lets us know that the Spirit gives life. So you can be under something that kills or you can be under something that's life-given. And this is many times where a lot of people find it hard because a lot of people in the New Covenant want to hold on to the Ten Commandments. But actually the Ten Commandments were written in stone and they're lifeless. And it's, it's amazing to think that. But this is all scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that the law, what was written and engraved on stones, was an administration of death. It doesn't give you life. And it's an administration of condemnation. But you know, the new covenant is an administration of righteousness. And it doesn't bring guilt and condemnation and all of those things. It sets you free. It's completely different. So, you know, you can see there's a contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. But here was the thing I was really bringing it down. There was a glory in the Old Testament. We looked at this last week for a bit. And the glory, there was a glory in the old covenant, but there's a glory in the New Testament as well. And the glory of the Old Testament is done away with. There was a glory there, it was, and it was fabulous. When you look back, you can see God moving, and there was a glory. But the glory of the New Testament, here's the thing about it, it causes you to excel. It's an excelling glory. It excels in glory. In actual fact, it says that the Old Testament glory, it's like it didn't even have a glory compared to the New Covenant. And I'll tell you, we'd be better positioned under the New Covenant. You know why? Because God wants our lives to excel. He wants us to glory in life. And the best place to be positioned is to position yourself in the New Covenant. To position yourself in the New Covenant is to position yourself under grace. Amen? It's not to position yourself hugging Moses. It's to position yourself embracing Jesus. Amen? The law can't set you free. Only Jesus can and only the new covenant can set us free. And that's reality. The law can't save us. The law reveals sin. It showed us our weakness. But it couldn't save us. It couldn't save us. And I'll tell you something else it can't do. It can't make you holy either. Huh? Some people think the Ten Commandments is going to make us holy. No, the Ten Commandments give you outward standard to keep, but it can't change your heart. 
Only a walking with Jesus can change your heart. Only the fruit of the Spirit can change your heart. And that's the way you start to live a certain way, not out of rules, but out of something that's living in you. And it's a far superior way to live. It's better to live walking with Jesus and allow him to change you and you to go from glory to glory to glory. Not by looking at Moses or not by looking even at the back parts of God, but be able to look right into Jesus' face. How do you do it? Through the word of God. And you change from glory to glory. God wants us to go from glory to glory. To glory. To glory. To glory. Amen. Now, I want to look at something for a moment here this evening. Actually, if you've got a Bible and you're, you're turning with me, you can turn over to Romans um, chapter 5 this evening. Just didn't put the scriptures up here this evening because sometimes I, I, I write that many down and I put that many in, the, in a program that then it can hold me back and I want to skip over a couple of things sometimes. So that's why I haven't put them in this last couple of weeks. But in Romans chapter 5, has any of you ever watched Star Wars? I love Star Wars. I have to say it's one of my favorite um, films. Uh, one of the reasons it's one of my favorite films is because it's uh, the first thing I ever went to see in the cinema. And I don't know how you remember Dad, but Dad brought me to the cinema in Bambridge when I was a young fella to see Return of the Jedi. And ever since it, it was the first film ever seen on the big screen. And loved it and then wanted to get the toys of it and still have the toys of it to, to today. Tyler actually plays one. But I love Star Wars. Here's one of the things about Star Wars that I loved. You know the big ship, the Millennial Falcon? I love whenever the Millennial Falcon goes into hyperdrive. I just love that. I love just the sound and the and then it's away and I just always that was always an image that stuck in my head always like that and but I, I know I wouldn't like being in hyperdrive in one of them spaceships I, I, actually a few years ago we were in Disney and um, did you go in the simulator that brought us to Mars or somewhere like that well, myself and Jason and Donna and whatever and a couple of our friends were in um, Disney a couple of years ago and there was a simulator there and it brought you like to um, Mars or somewhere like that. And it gave you the sensation of what it would be like to be strapped into the shuttlecock and you know, they strapped you and everything. And then to take off. And I'm telling you, see when that thing took off and it, the speed that you could feel it in it, another way it makes you like you're experiencing it. But I couldn't wait to get off the thing. It was just, it didn't, I don't like them simulators. Everything's moving. I don't like it. I just want to get out of those things. But, but you know, there's something about being in, in that and it gives you the feeling. And you just feel like you're going into hyperdrive. And, you know, everything's passing. And you're going past everything so fast. But you know what? That's the way God wants our lives to be. And God can cause your life to excel. And there's an excelling factor to grace. That's why we want a glory. That's why you have to stay under grace. Yeah, there, was a, there, was a, there is a glory of the old covenant, yes. And you know what? God has done mighty things. And even people that had more like a harsh revelation of God, they have done great things in God. Even over the years, there's been great moves of God. But I believe the greatest move of God, and we're in it at the, at the, I believe we're at the beginning really stage of something great in the move of God. And I'm in on it. I'm, I'm in right in there. In my thinking, I'm positioned under grace. In my life, I'm positioned under it. In my life, I'm standing in the righteousness of God. And I'm positioned to excel. 
I'm not living in the old covenant. I'm living in the new covenant. And I believe the greatest move of God is yet to come. And, you know, we should be excited knowing that. Sometimes people look around, you see a meeting and there's only a handful of us come together. That's not the way it's always going to be in the move of God. I tell you, the greatest days are yet to come. And I tell you, there's a greater move of God coming and it won't be a legalistic thing. It's going to be true freedom. It's going to be people really experiencing God and they're not going to be free to sin. They're going to be free to run after God with all of their heart. You know, it's like sometimes you get put into legalism and it's like trying to serve God in laid boots. You're so bound in rules and regulations that you can't do what, just like you're stiff, you can't do what your heart wants to do. But I believe this next move of God that's coming through, and you know what, there'll be, there'll be a lot of counterfeits that'll run parallel with it. There's people that'll get a hold of a grace message and they'll just run out and run amok with their lives. But there's, an, there's another group of people that's going to get a hold of grace and they're going to run after Jesus and they're going to see great things happen, great moves of God. You see, the first generation church, they excelled. They excelled. They made an impact. They made a big impact in this world. And we're still living out of the impact that that first generation made. Because they excelled under grace. But you know what happens as time goes on? Many times people got into rules and regulations and they got back under Old Testament mindset. Instead of living in the new covenant. But there's a glory in the new covenant that excels the old covenant. Amen. And God wants us to live there. God wants us to, I believe our lives excel. Are meant to, they're meant to excel. Amen. I believe it. I believe that, you know, put your, put your family under grace and your family will excel. Put your finance under grace and it will excel. Put every area of your life under grace and it will excel. There's an excelling factor under grace. Grace causes our lives to excel. And it is, it's God doing it, as we looked at last week. It's not us. It's God's unmerited favor on our lives. Amen. Amen. Not us. And you know what? When it's God doing it, he'll get the glory. Amen. And he'll be seen. And you know what? I believe that, that God's glory is going to be seen in our lives in these last days. I really do. I believe that we are positioned for something great. And there's, there's, I tell you, there's great moves of God happening around the world. Great moves of God happening around the world. And I tell you, when it hits here, and the way it's, it's, it's coming, I tell you, people have spoke about a move of God coming from this island for years. And I'm expecting it. I'll tell you uh, something else. I'm expecting to be a part of it. I'm not going to be a spectator. And neither you. You're not going to be a spectator either. You're going to be right stuck in the thick of it. God doing great things. I, 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 just truly what I, I believe there's going to be signs and wonders like we haven't seen. That's really what I'm believing God for. Amen. I'm believing to see it. Amen. And there's going to be great things happening and we're going to see it. Amen. Praise God. It's great to be saved. Amen. Romans chapter 5 for a second. Can you see okay? Is it? Romans chapter 5. Let me, let me just look at this here for a second. It's a verse that, you know, I've shared on before. But in Romans 5, and again, all of these things are brought out here about, you know, that the, it's through the, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that we reign in life. Um, verse 21 lets us know that, we, that grace reigns through righteousness. But look here in verse 20 for a second. It says, and the law entered that the offense might abound. I think that's an incredible verse. Some people think the law came, you know, to, to make us holy. No, the law came that the offense might abound. 
And it abounded. The law, the law doesn't fix anything. It didn't fix a thing. And I could look at that this evening. I'm not going to do that. But, but what I want to say here is Adam's sin abounded. We know Adam's sin affected everything. When Adam sinned, I mean, it affected everything right up until the throne of God, but it didn't affect the throne of God. But it affected everything else in between. It affected absolutely everything. It, you look at the impact that sin has had on this planet, it abounded. Adam's sin affected every last one of us. We've all been affected by it. Some make, shape, or form every single one of us. There's not one of us that haven't. Sin has affected everything. You see so much death. You see so much depression, so much fear, so much lack, so much bondage. Do you know what that was? That was Adam's sin. It abounded. But you know, the law entered that the offense might abound. It never fixed it. It actually revealed the problem. And I could look at it a bit more, you know, I'm not going to do that this evening, but actually the law actually um, compounded the problem. It showed the problem even more. Paul said, I wouldn't have known sin except the law said, thou shalt not covet. He says, all of a sudden, what am I doing? I'm coveting everything. There's something when the law says, thou shalt not, there's something in you that says, I shall. So it, it, it magnified the problem. Do you see, the law can't save you. Only Jesus can. And there's two aspects of the law. One revealed the problem. The other revealed the answer. The sacrifices revealed the answer that there had to be a savior that would come and shed his blood for us to wipe out our sin. Amen? In one transaction, bang, thank God. But what I'm saying is Adam's sin abounded. But you know, it says here, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen? Sin did much more abound. Do you know, the word there for much more abound, it has the word hyper in front of it, which is just simply saying where Adam's sin abounded. I'm telling you what Jesus done for us, went into hyperdrive and totally outpassed everything that Adam ever done against us. I want you to know tonight is this. God can cause your life to abound. And it's not just abound. Actually, the word there means super abound. It means go into hyperdrive. And really what it's saying is this. Anything that Adam did, Jesus outpassed it. Anything that Adam did, Jesus did above it, beyond it, exceedingly beyond it. He actually left Adam in the dust. And I'll tell you what Jesus done for you is greater than what Adam did to you. Amen? And really, here, here, this is why in the next verse where it goes on in chapter 6, it says, um, Paul sa- said that, that, that people were saying, well, what are you saying? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Do you know what that, you know what that mentality is? I, I've seen it in the body of Christ. Do you know what that is? It's liberalism. And there's people who have taken grace to be liberal. But that's not what grace is for. I mean, no, grace was never designed to make us liberal. It was designed to bring freedom. And there's a difference between being liberal and being free. There's some people who are so liberal that they're in bondage up to their neck. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you see, true freedom is not putting you in sin. True freedom 
will get you out of whatever's holding you. True freedom is to be set free from the bondages, the restrictions, the things that have held us. Do you see, in Adam, how many of you know there's things that hold us? How many of you know in Adam there's things that have bound each one of our lives? Even though we're born again, thank God in that aspect, we've been set free, okay? But do you know in your everyday life, how many of you know there's areas in your life where sin still can have a hold on your life? But do you know what grace will do? Grace will get you out of that. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is actually a freedom from the bondages, whatever has been holding us. That's what grace will do. I tell you, if, you, if you're in poverty, grace will set you free from it. There's a, it's, it causes your life to superabound. Where there's sickness, grace causes us to superabound. Where there's defeat, God causes us to superabound. Where there's guilt, God will cause us to superabound out of that thing. Amen? You see, grace is not designed for us to live in sin. And you know, you hear people say it all the time, ah, oh, yeah, but I'm under grace. No, that's not, that's not being under grace. Truly being under grace is being set free. Amen? True grace will set you free from whatever is holding you. It'll actually set your life into hyperdrive. To where you've been bound by this, and when you position yourself under grace, there's a, there's a supply that comes into your life that helps you. There's an enablement. It's God's unmerited favor on your life, but it's supplanting you. It's not because of anything you've done. In actual fact, it's God moving in your life. Things you can't even see is favor, is great positioning. Everything's lining up, and what He's causing you to, is to excel past the very thing that has held you. That's what grace is for. Uh, grace, will, grace will cause you to outpass things. And I'll tell you something else grace will do. It'll make you fall in love with Jesus. And you'll want to serve him all the days of your life. You see, grace is not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom to serve. It's a freedom to serve God without bondage. It's a freedom to serve God without lead boots. It's actually, grace will take those lead boots of legalism and, and dead rules that are not life-given off you. And it'll actually supply into your life. And it'll cause you to come alive on the inside the way you want to serve God. Yes. That's grace. Grace is not a freedom, a liberalism. It's not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom out of what's been holding you in sin. It's a freedom out of it. Any bondages, anything that's restrictions, anything where, where, that has held us, grace is a freedom out of that. Amen? That's why, look, look over here in, in chapter 6. That's why Paul was saying, what? Do, what? Do, do you think that's what I'm saying? That Jesus did everything, went to the cross, died for us? To give us a, a, a sin-free ticket. No, God hates sin. Absolutely hates it. He detests it because it destroys our lives. Man, you know, sin destroys. It's not, it, it takes from you. And God hates it because it takes from it. It hurts us. But God give us an ability called grace that empowers our life. And we're sin-abounded. Grace did much more super-abound. It causes your life to abound. Amen. Just like I thought, word there, hyper, hyperdrive, and I believe God can put our lives into hyperdrive, and we can do things. He says, you know, don't limit, don't don't always put your life out that you know what God's going to do this, and it'll probably be about fifteen years time or twenty years time. I tell you, sometimes things can change in a day. Amen. Things can change in a day. One day can change a lot of things. May know God's a God of suddenly. Man, you know, a day can change things. We should live expectant. 
We should live with an expectancy that it could be today. Today could be the day when I've been believing God for these changes to come, but I'm positioned for it. I'm at the right train stop. And that train's, I'm getting on that train line letting God take me somewhere. That's abounding grace. And I believe God wants our lives to abound. Amen. Not for our glory, for His. And it's not about us. I won't talk about that tonight. But anytime you look at grace in the Word of God and anything where God abounds in our life, it's never for us. Not just, yeah, we get to experience it. But it's never just for us, it's for others. And what God does in your life is not just for you, it's for others. Because God loves people and wants to see people's lives affected and changed. Amen. Here in Romans, well, we're here, Romans chapter 6. Um, look, look what it says here in verse um, 14. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, you're under grace. Let me put it this way. Being positioned under law, sin still has dominion over you because the law can't set you free. Still holds you. Sin holds you. It gives you a knowledge of sin. It lets you know that you can't get free. But only under grace is there freedom. <laughs> Amen. Only under grace is there freedom. I lo- I lo- that's, a, that's a powerful verse. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin won't have dominion over you. And there's a lot of people say, I'm under grace, but they're living a life of just they've given themselves over to the flesh. But they're saying, I'm under grace. That's not being under grace. When you position yourself under grace, I'm not saying you change like that. We're in a process. But you're on the right track to changing. And we don't go, you know, in one big jump just to glory. No, we go from glory to glory. As we just keep looking at Jesus, we go from glory to glory. But what I'm saying is this. When you position yourself under grace, the things that hold you now won't hold you anymore. Amen. The things that have dominion over you won't have dominion over you anymore. Amen. Won't have dominion over you anymore. Amen. 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 Nadine, say that thing that you know it's, that's not going to have dominion over you for the rest of your life. That's right. Amen. It won't hold you anymore. Amen. You won't, don't let that rob from you. Praise God. I tell you, I just felt that. Amen. It's not going to hold you. Praise God. You know what that is. Amen. You're under grace. Praise God. And I'm telling you, God's doing great things. Amen. See, what holds us doesn't have to hold us anymore. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. Father, we just minister into this situation in Jesus' name. I just command this to change in Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you for your grace abounding in her life, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I just thank you for your super abounding grace, Lord God. Lord, we just receive it by your unmerited favor, Lord, not based on anything we've done because of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God. Amen. She's going from glory to glory. And the path of the righteous is shining brighter and brighter in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God's good. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. God's great. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I mean, let me look at a scripture here for a second. Titus chapter 2. Praise God. Amen. I tell you, God's good. God is a great God. Um, Titus chapter 2. Look again, here's just a verse just showing the same thing here. It says in verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Thank God grace is for all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. That's some. All. The grace is for all men. Jesus died for all. Amen. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. And here's what grace does in our lives. It's not, it's not us. Just as when you come under grace, it changes you. It has an effect on your life. And here's what grace does. It says, it says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I tell you, grace is not a license to sin. It's just basically what I'm saying. There's an, there's, a, there's an empowerment on grace that actually causes you to live different in the world. But it's not out of rules and regulations. It's actually grace supplies to you. It changes you. It changes your desires. sets you on fire on the inside. It changes your desires. It, it's God's ability ministering to you. And what grace will do, grace will teach you. You see, some people say, if you don't have, if you, if you say we're not under the law, what's going to keep me living holy? Well, how about the Holy Spirit? How about the fruit of the Spirit? How about love? Paul said the love of God constrains me. How, how about grace? Can grace not teach us? Can, can, can Jesus not do more in our lives than what Moses could do. Amen? I believe he can. I believe you walk with God and you get true, you truly under the grace of God. It teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. I'm not talking about that you can't do certain things. I'm talking about where you, you know in your heart when uh, I can't go any further or shouldn't go any further. See, what stops you from going further? What stops you from crossing over a certain line? It's not because you have a big standard here, a rule. It's God moves on the inside of us and he ministers to us. You just walk with him and let him minister to your life. You just, grace will teach you to say, do you know what? That's where I stop. Everybody else can do what they want. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic here. This is just for me. I don't go any further than this. But it's not out of a rule. And it's not something I'm going to impose on others. It's, I'm staying under grace. And I believe grace can be living on the inside of you so much and upon your life so much that God will teach you how to live holy in an unholy world. Amen? But what I'm just saying here is it's, it's grace. Grace teaches us grace. Grace is not a license of sin. Grace is actually an empowerment on your life that gets you out of the things that hold you. 
It actually caused your life to abound. Amen. Love it. And all I can say for me is, in my life is, I know once, I've, I've always known about the grace of God, but I mean in the last five, six years, I've really pressed into it like I hadn't for the other previous years of my Christian walk. I've, I've known about it, loved it, pursued it as much, but I didn't have as deep a revelation as what I've had in recent times. I did have, I was not saying I didn't have a revelation of grace. I did and taught it many times, but most times in my life, I was under a mixture between law and grace and fluctuated out of it. And sometimes I'd come under grace and then the next thing I'd, be, I'd, what I'd hear whatever would have me back into works again, then I'd be back into grace. I'd be in and out. But in the last five, six years, I have really pressed into where I'm standing in grace and I'm not moving. It's a fixed position. That's where I'm, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. I'm, I consciously think about it. I consciously live it. I consciously allow it to minister to my life. I constantly am in a place of receiving. I'm always receiving. And I've found everything in my life has changed. Especially in me, in me, have changed. And how I deal with people and how I treat people and how I love people, I don't treat people the same anymore. Because God's, I'm allowing God to minister to me. And when you allow God to minister to you, you minister to other people different. It's, it's, it's completely different and there's so much joy and freedom in it. But what I'm saying is not a freedom to just throw caution to the wind. And that doesn't mean to say we, we, we all make mistakes, but grace will pick you back up and keep you going forward. It's not a thing if I'm looking for something just to go, oh, I've got grace, happy days. No, actual fact, when you, get, when you get a hold of grace, it'll cause you to fall more in love with him. It'll cause you to want to do more for him. And it'll cause you to want to, uh, to, to go all the way for him like you've never done before. But it's not out of rules. It's actually a freedom to serve. And, I, and I, it's, I think sometimes people are afraid to teach grace to, to the extent of saying that you're not under law anymore because some people, law is the only thing that's holding them and keeping them sort of way in track a bit. But I think it's so liberated and to just put your trust in Jesus and let him be the one that changes you and you go from glory to glory. Amen. I really, that's just where I'm at. And it's, there's a freedom there. Amen. There's a freedom there. People say, you know what, that gives people a license to sin. I've seen people in bondage using a license to sin. They just say, make the statement, I'll sin now and pray later. It's still the same thing. But I'm telling you, when your heart changes, it's not about wanting to sin now and pray later or any of those kind of things. It's about God's changed your life and you want to serve him. That's why Paul said, it's, 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 don't, I'm not saying I'm giving you grace so that sin can, or that stay, it's going sin that grace may abound. That's not what I'm saying. Paul's saying, come under grace and let grace cause you to abound. Amen. Let you to abound out of what you're in, out of what's holding you, out of your prison. Grace will fling those doors wide open and put your life into hyperdrive and take you out the other side. Amen. That's what grace does in our lives. It causes us to abound. Amen. We'll call out this verse here as well. I'm just going to uh, close here in a second. But um, Ephesians 1 verses 7 and 8. It talks there about the grace of God abounds towards you. And I love that picture of just seeing in my head God coming at me. And all of his goodness and all of his love and all of his provision. 
Everything that he is abounding towards me. And you need to see it as well. Just see God abounding towards you because that's what grace is. But here's the thing about grace. Grace abounds towards you so that you abound in life. That's what it's for. It's not abounding towards us to sin. Grace abounds towards you so that you abound in life. And when you abound in life, do you know what it does? It gives him glory. That's what it does. Amen? And I'll just show one last scripture and we'll close here. Look in um, um, 2 Corinthians 4. Praise God. I tell you, God wants your life to abound. He wants you to abound in life. He wants your life to abound. I, 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 I wrote down a couple of scriptures, but I, I, I won't get them out this evening. I might call, I'll call them out the next time. But just some areas where grace causes you to abound. You abound in hope. You abound in comfort. God wants you to abound in love. God wants you to abound financially. Amen. God wants you to abound. He wants your life to abound. That's why Paul said to the Corinthian church, do you know what? Allow this grace to work in your life as well in the area of finances. Finances is, is a, it's a godly thing for God to prosper lives. But we, but we should abound to be a blessing. Yes. Amen. You see, God wants you to abound so that you can abound to every good work. Amen. That makes sense? Huh? See, that's what it is, and it's, it's grace. You see, Paul said to the Corinthian church, you have abounded in utterance and all of, the, in faith, all of these different areas. You've abounded in that. You've, you've entered into a grace there. But why don't you come under the grace of giving as well? And let God abound in you so that you can abound in every, to every good work. Just see, God will abound to you so that you can abound in life. Amen? So that's why I say, I, I, God will make all grace ab- abound towards you so that you'll always have sufficiency. Why? So that now you can abound to every good work. Do you see, that's grace, does that? But it says it was the grace of God. Paul said to this Corinthian church, you need to come under this grace there's a grace here. There's a grace in giving. It'll make you a cheerful giver. Amen. There's a grace in giving. It'll increase you. But God increases us so that we can abound. See, God's not selfish. And when you get around God, God doesn't make you selfish either. He makes You want to abound. And God's grace upon your life will cause you to abound. Why? So that you can abound in life. And abound every good work. Amen. Um, here, I need to read this verse and I'll close. Second Corinthians... Um, four. I've tried to read this verse out about four weeks in a row or something like that. <laughs> so I want, to, I want to read this out and close. Second um, Corinthians 4. And this was Paul. He was facing trouble on every side. But I'm telling you, you can face trouble on every side, but you can still have a spirit of faith. And God will still bring you through. Amen. But here's what it says here in verse, um, look in verse 15. I love this verse here. It says, for all things are for your sake. What Paul was saying, every, everything I face in life, God's going to minister to me. But when he ministers to me, I'm going to minister to you. That's the way Paul thought. Always thinking of others. And he said, all things are for your sake. Look at this, that the abundant grace 
might through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Redound means to abound. It means to superabound. And what Paul's basically saying here is there's an abundant grace that abounds towards you. And what happens in your life is you abound. And then what it does is it abounds back to the glory of God. What it's basically saying is when your life abounds, it gives glory to him. When your life abounds, he's seen that he was involved. Paul said, facing trouble on every side, everything's coming against me. But I have a spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I speak. I'm at the right platform. I'm still saying what God says. I'm not moving. I'm staying positioned right. But when you're positioned right, there's abundant grace that comes upon you. And what that grace will do, it'll cause you to abound. Amen? And when you abound, you, you, when you abound, you abound in life. And what happens is God gets the glory. It's just like when, when, an, uh, uh, when an artist does a picture and everybody comes and looks at it on the wall and you see people standing around and speaking about that picture, they're not giving glory to the picture. They're giving glory to the artist. And when God abounds in your life, when people say, look what the Lord has done in your life, and see in your, they're not giving you credit. What they're doing is saying, look what God did in their life. Amen? I'm telling you, there's grace abounding towards you every single day.